Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Cleveland Indians 12, the Minnesota Twins 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Didn't get to watch a ton of this game because I worked until like 10 o'clock last night, but I caught the end of it. And what a fun game. What a fun way to end the Minnesota series. We win a series. It feels like it's been a while since we've won a series. Um, So, yeah, we take two out of three from Minnesota, and it's a nice little two-day, three-game series for the Cleveland Indians. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game, and the Indians' offense was just rolling. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the bat bip just works in your favor. Batting average balls in play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, both teams were hitting the ball hard. Don't take anything away from Minnesota's offense. They were hitting the ball hard. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hard-hit balls off Quantrill. Add another against Sean Parker. So they had nine hard-hit balls on the day. They just were not finding uh, grass or dirt the way the Indians' ones were. Indians had 12 runs on 14 hits. As a team, they had 16 hard-hit balls. They just absolutely smoked starter Griffin Jacks for seven hits. And then just kept piling on on the bullpen. Uh, four more hits off of Gio- Giovanni Moran. And then three more hits off of Andrew Albers, including two more home runs. So they just kept piling on yesterday. So the first way front line for me, I actually want to look at some of these at-bats. You know, what were the Indians hitters doing? Uh, they were able to unload so many hits on the day when usually it's such a struggle for them. Well, for Jose Ramirez, uh, by the way, you know, let's just run the box score really quick. Miles Straw, three hits on the day, including a double, two runs scored. Uh, Zimmer uh, does come up, uh, gets an RBI. Oh, no, he doesn't get an RBI. He hit into a double play with the bases loaded. He did have a hit and a run score eventually in this game. He contributed a little bit in the second spot with Ahmed Rosario out on the uh, sort of the family emergency list. So Ahmed Rosario is going to be away from the team for a few days. So Zimmer gets a chance to hit second. Uh, But Jose Ramirez hitting third, three for four with a double, two RBIs, two runs scored. Fermil Reyes, three for five with a home run, two RBIs, two runs scored. And Bobby Bradley, two for four with a double and a homer, three RBIs and a run scored. So huge job from the middle of the lineup, three, four, and five. Just absolutely locked in in this game. And boy, you want to know a recipe for success? Have your starting pitcher go out there and throw a quality start. And then have your three, four, and five hitters absolutely unload. Not to mention getting a three-run home run from your number nine hitter. So Oscar Mercado. So yeah, everything was clicking for the Indians yesterday in this game. All right, so let's go to these at-bats. For Jose Ramirez... He was just feasting on fastballs yesterday, and they threw him a ton. He saw four fastballs in his first at-bat. After working it to a 2-2 count, he gets a fastball down and in, and he just absolutely turns on this thing 109.9 miles per hour, high off the wall in right field. Frankly, this is probably a home run in Cleveland. Uh, 363 off the wall. This probably goes out in Cleveland. It's only a nine-foot wall in Cleveland. It's high off the wall, goes right to Kepler. We've talked about Kepler's arm before. The announcers talk about Kepler's arm all the time. 
And Jose Ramirez gets gunned out going for second. But even though he doesn't get a double, for some reason it seemed to set a a tempo in this game. I mean, Bobby Bradley was able to leg out a double uh, on a shot up the middle later in the game. Jose Ramirez continued to hustle around the bases. Like, they did not stop being aggressive against Minnesota, uh, whether at bat or in the field. I mean, everybody seemed to be first pitch swinging. They were really, really aggressive. It feels like the top of our lineup especially has been very aggressive early in the games. Uh, Miles Straw swinging at the first pitch. We know Ahmed Rosario is going to go up there hacking. He does not waste at... I wouldn't say he wastes at bats, but he does not waste any pitches. No matter where that pitch is, he is hacking. And uh, Jose Ramirez and Fermil Reyes do a little bit better job of working the count. Uh, But yeah, fastballs were the story of the day for Jose Ramirez. In his next at-bat, also against starter Griffin Jacks, once again, it's a low fastball. This time he hits a double in the center field, 108.5 miles per hour. It was the fourth pitch of that bat. He had, it started him 3-0. Eh, the first one probably could have been called a strike. It was right at the top of the zone. Then he misses with a slider, misses with a changeup. Finally has to come back at him with a fastball and puts it right at the thighs, a little bit outside so that he could doesn't have to pull this one. What does he do? A pitch comes a little bit outside, so he goes up the middle with it. That's good hitting right there. The first fastball was in on the on the right quarter of the plate, and he pulls it. This one out over the plate drives it up the middle. So 108.5, 397 feet. It's a double into center field for Jose Ramirez. His next at-bat, this time still against starter Griffin Jacks. This one was the sack fly. He uh, actually got a curveball on the first pitch. Like I said, sometimes these guys get very aggressive first pitch. And he uh, hit a sack fly out into left field, make Jake, made Jake Cave really run back on this one. And Miles Straw comes in to score. And his next at-bat, his final hit on the day, comes against Giovanni Moran. Uh, this is with the infield pulled in and a runner on third. And uh, after getting a Bunch of changeups in the dirt. So the first one is a called strike fastball. Then three changeups in the dirt, basically, or that miss below the zone that he doesn't have to worry about. Then he goes back to a fastball that's frankly away. What do you do with a fastball away? You either go the opposite field with it or you hit it back up the middle. Frankly, when guys hit it back up the middle, I'm wondering if they were trying to go opposite way and just got a little bit aggressive on it. And luckily, he shoots it past Polanco at second, who was pulled in, uh, even if they're set back. If they're set back, it's probably an easier base hit. Pulled in, it just gets underneath uh, Polanco's uh, arm reaching out for it, and it drives in another run. So fastballs, fastballs were the story of the day for Jose Ramirez. For me, Reyes, I thought had some fantastic at-bats. Uh, this is in the, uh, I believe this is still in the uh, seventh inning when the Indians poured on all these runs. Fermil Reyes comes up and works an absolute incredible at-bat, an eight-pitch at-bat against Giovanni Moran. After, let's see, is this in the seventh inning? Yeah, because Griffin Jacks is into the fifth. He Giovanni Moran finishes the fifth, pitches the sixth, and gets into the seventh. So this must be in the seventh inning. Um, I, I On the matchup page, for some reason, they'll tell you what at-bat it is. It's at-bat number 50 of the game, but I won't tell you what inning it is. So 
he starts him off with two change-ups, and it's pretty bad swings from Fermio Reyes. He swings at a change-up that's frankly almost in the dirt on the first pitch, then chases a change-up away on the second pitch. Third pitch is a change-up in the zone. What is Giovanni Moran doing after he just threw him two change-ups out of the zone that he gets him to swing through? What is he doing throwing him a change-up in the zone? This thing should be in the other batter's box, not in the middle of the zone. We always talk about how in an at-bat, there's probably a pitch you regret. There's probably a pitch that you should have hit, that you foul it off or you swing through. You know, you missed your opportunity. I thought at the beginning of this at-bat that that was the pitch right there. I mean, he knows the speed. He's seen the changeup twice now. Throws him a third one, and he fouls it off. Then he gets a four-seam fastball in uh, right uh, right at the belly and in still on the plate. He fouls that one off. Then throws him a changeup in the dirt. Makes it easy for him to lay off. It's a two, It's a one-two count. Throws him a four-seam fastball that goes to the backstop. That was the one that Moran, it just slips out of his hand. It goes a good 10, 12 feet over the catcher's head. Uh, Jose Ramirez moves up to second. Then a changeup also in the dirt, easy for him to lay off. Now he's worked it back to a full count. Stayed patient. These balls weren't close, though. You know, these ones in the dirt were pretty easy to lay off. Then he gets him a four-seam fastball up. And for Mio Reyes, if he tries to pull this ball, if he tries to lift this ball to left field, he probably swings and misses. But instead, he goes opposite field with this. He stays inside out on the baseball, gets the hands through, and is able to shoot this thing out into right field. You don't got to hit it hard. You just got to hit it to the right spot sometimes. 86.2 mile per hour exit velocity. Beautiful single into right field and scores Jose Ramirez. Sometimes, yes, it is fun to hit the ball 110 miles per hour, right? Vermeil Reyes can really get it up there. But sometimes all it takes is an 86.2 mile per hour flare to get a hit and score a run. And I'm telling you, I'll take getting a hit and scoring a run any day of the week. I don't care how hard I hit the ball. Uh, Then Bobby Bradley follows that one up with a home run. So, See what you did there for me, Reyes. You got the job done. You kept the line moving. This was an old thing from uh, the Kansas City Royals when they were making their playoff runs. I remember their World Series run. Remember their their line was, we keep the line moving, meaning keep the lineup moving. Do what you got to do in your at-bat to get the next guy behind you up to bat. That's a great approach. And that's what Fermio Reyes does here in this big eight-pitch at-bat. Bobby Bradley works a pretty good at-bat. Uh, works it to a 2-2 count, fouls off a couple of pitches, then gets it a fastball, an inside fastball. What do we see you do with inside fastballs? You turn on them and pull them, and he hits this 106.8 miles per hour, 417 feet to right center field for a big, I think this was up in the second deck, home run for Bobby Bradley. And I'm telling you, they were just blowing this game open in the seventh inning. Uh, they would add on, though. They would add on in the 8th and add on in the ninth. Um, so uh, in his next at-bat for Fermil Reyes, uh, he finally got a chance to pull one. He uh, takes a sinker for a called strike, lays off two change-ups down out of the zone, make it a 2-1 count, uh, takes another forcing fastball right down the middle for a called strike, Maybe he thought another changeup was coming. Maybe he thought something else was coming. But he takes a fastball there. 
that normally he is flailing at, and then gets an inside fastball, frankly inside a little bit off the plate, uh, but he shows good plate coverage here. Hits this one 105.4. What do you do with an inside fastball? You turn on it, and you hit it, and you pull it 403 feet into the seats in left field. This one was a second decker. Um, so a home run for Fermil Reyes. So these are some of the at-bats, some of the big at-bats in the game. I mean, with 14 hits and 12 runs scored, there's too many to talk about. But I wanted to talk about the middle of the lineup. I wanted to talk about Jose, Fermil, and Bobby Bradley and some of their great at-bats. The one that Bobby Bradley hit for the double, I believe, was the first pitch. It was a pitch that was just up and out over the plate. And he just does a good job of uh, shooting this ball into left center field. I love when Bobby Bradley is going to the opposite field. Um, you know, that's huge for him right there. Yeah, it was off Griffin Jacks, the starter. It was a changeup. It was a changeup sitting at the letters on the outside edge of the plate. And he just shoots it in the left center field, 106 mile per hour exit velocity. And he legs out the double and scores Jose Ramirez. So great at bat from Bobby Bradley. When the ball is in, crank that thing out to right field. When that ball's away, take it away. Take it. Take where the ball wants to go. The ball wants to be away, then take it to the opposite field. So great job by the middle of our offense there. I mean, the Indians, and don't forget Oscar Mercado had a big three-run home run in this one to really, I know it wasn't the first run scored in the game, but that really uh, separated this game. You know, Griffin Jacks was doing okay up until that point, but that really pushed the Indians out to a nice lead, and uh, they didn't look back. They absolutely didn't look back from that one. The Twins would get their three runs on a Miguel Sano home run that would come off starter Cal Quantrill. It's interesting, Quantrill gets credited with three unearned runs. Now, the inning should have been over, but Bobby Bradley got a little bit lost on a pop-up and ends up dropping it, overrunning it. And uh, so I guess the theory is then that um, the hitter, Miguel Sano, would have never even come up to the plate. So his home run gets credited as an unearned run because the inning should have been over. I don't know. I, the two guys that are on base maybe are unearned runs, but the guy that hit the home run hit the home run. Like you still got to execute your pitches, and uh, I'm surprised it's not three runs with one earned. You know, the home run being the earned run. But Quantrill's final line is six and two thirds, two hits, three unearned runs, no earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and the one home run. 100 pitches, like I said, he was hard hit seven times. So what was working for Quantrill in this game? This quality start for him. He threw a ton of sliders, and he was getting called strikes on those sliders. Not a lot of swing and miss at all. 21 swings against his slider, only three whiffs. Uh, They put 10 in play, so they were getting to him. There were some good catches in the outfield from Bradley Zimmer making a running catch. Miles Straw made a diving catch in center field. So he had some good defense working behind him. 13 called strikes, though, on that slider was definitely helping him out. It was his best pitch, a 33% CSW. Uh, His sinker and his fastball were down in the 20s. His changeup was only a 19%. uh, And he mixed in four curveballs that, frankly, he didn't find a strike zone with any of those. Didn't even get a swing and miss. No strikes on those. Um, so yeah, so it's only good for a 27% CSW. So he wasn't really doing it with the strikeouts. It was more about just being aggressive 
and attacking the zone with that slider and, uh, frankly, trusting his defense, especially when you start to get up to a big lead like that. you got to trust your defense, and the defense came through for him. So it's a little bit of bad luck for Minnesota. Sure, they hit a bunch of balls hard. They just couldn't get anything down and in. Um, But yeah, he really attacks the zone with this slider. And again, something we talked about with Tristan McKenzie and something we talked about with Logan Allen, Quantrill pitches to all four quadrants. So he will let that slider sweep across the zone eventually. But he actually threw a ton of sliders to the left edge of the zone. The inside edge to the righties would be a backdoor slider to those lefties. He really used the slider in all four quadrants of the zone. I can't even say the same thing about his fastball. His fastballs, he kept them up and in for the most part. Through a couple of them, he tried to throw in at the right at the lefties. So a couple of uh, two-seam sinkers that he threw across the zone, trying to bury them in on the lefties. And the rest were up and in on the righties, high and tight for the righties, with both the four-seam fastball and the two-seam fastball. And then he just let the changeup fall out of the zone. Left the changeup fall to the bottom of the zone. Same thing with the curveball. Uh, trying to get guys to chase on that curveball didn't really work for him. But using all four quadrants, really filling up the strike zone with pitches. So that is good to see from Cal Quantrill. So, I mean, when you blow out a team like this, it's a pretty simple story. It's a pretty simple storyline, and that's what this one is. Quantrill said he's getting really comfortable. It feels good to know that he's going to go out there and probably have a quality start, can trust his stuff that he's going to have a quality start when he runs out there now. Uh, So, yeah, he's kind of shaking off some of those rookie ups and downs, shaking off some of those rookie jitters. I know he hasn't been a rookie for a while per se, but he's been pitching out of the bullpen a ton. So he's kind of still new to this starting in the major leagues, starting consistently in the major leagues is something that's still new for Quantrill. And he seems to be really settling in. I mean, it helps that... He's kind of been the de facto ace uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, You know, Savali and Plesak have found their way back. Plesak has had his struggles, been up and down. Savali is fresh off the IL. So I got to say, Quantrill has kind of been the leader in the rotation. I don't know if he's the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know what that dynamic's like. But at least in the rotation, Quantrill seems to be uh, the guy that's going out there and getting the Indians a win when they need a win. Uh, he moves to 6-3 and three on the season. Obviously, McKenzie has been the star of the pitching staff over the last two months. But Quantrill definitely seems to be uh, kind of the leader out there when it comes to getting the Indians wins and being reliable. And boy, that is something you can make a long career out of. So Brian Shaw and Blake Parker finish off the game. And uh, it's a good win for the Indians. All right, that is all my thoughts on this game. Hey, some other news that we didn't even talk about. Shane Bieber did do his rehab start on Tuesday. And from some of the reporting I saw on Twitter, this is from at Ryan Mitchell 75, who's uh, the Columbus Clippers broadcaster. Also, apparently the head wrestling coach at Grove City High School and former host of the Columbus Blue Jackets radio network. All right, he's a Bowling Green State alum. Uh, so he, uh, reporting on Bieber said he pitched two and two thirds innings, gave up three hits, one run, none earned one walk, three K's, 47 pitches, 30 strikes. Fastball was sitting 91 and 92 miles per hour, moved free and easy 
wasn't as sharp as he normally was, but looked good. Well, of course he wasn't that sharp. It was his first start in who knows how long, right? Months. So, uh, yeah, from all reports, Bieber had a pretty good rehab start in Toledo against the Mud Hens for the Clippers. So that's encouraging to hear, you know. Uh, I don't know how the reports were. Obviously, you'll watch the next day or two to see if there's any setbacks, if there's any lingering pain or anything like that. And I haven't heard anything like that. So that's good to see. I mean, we need our ace back. If we're going to be competitive in 2022 as the Guardians, we are going to need our ace, our true ace, as good as Quantrill Quantrill has been filling those shoes a little bit. We're going to need our ace back because we could have, once again, one of the best starting pitching staffs in all of baseball without going shopping. We can go shopping for a bullpen. We can go out shopping for corner, you know, outfield help, for second base help. But we are not going to go out there shopping for starting pitching. We have got the starting pitching. We just got to keep it healthy. So I know some of you probably feel like Bieber should just shut it down, right, and just get into the offseason program and come back strong in 2022. I think that the Angels just announced that Mike Trout is probably going that path where it's like, Chuck, I'm just not even going to push it. I'm going to focus on 2022. I get it for Bieber. You know, you're starting to feel good. Your body's starting to feel good after all this rehab, and you just want to throw a couple of innings to make sure mentally you got it so that when you do come back in February, you don't have to go through any of those mental hurdles. Get those out of the way now in September and uh, at the end of the season here. Just know that you get the confidence that you can go back out on a pitcher's mound. You could do it. You don't have to spend that entire offseason program thinking about the first time you step back on a mound. You've done it. You've thrown a couple of innings. Even if he comes up and does like an opener thing or even throws some relief innings. Uh, I get it. I get wanting to have a couple of innings under your belt to go into the offseason with. So, Here's to Shane Bieber hoping that he's feeling good, that the arm is feeling good, that the fatigue or whatever the final diagnosis was, uh, it's cleaned up and worked out and he's ready to go. Uh, so yeah, so maybe we will get to see him. There's still, you know, we still got half of September left. We're, we are getting to the end of this thing morning, people, and uh, we are really going to start focusing on 2022. So we'll see if Bieber can pitch a few more Indians innings for the Cleveland Indians before it's all said and done. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. That is all my news to talk about today. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Hey, speaking of 2022, I started doing some profiles on some uh, on some uh, minor league players, some top prospects that you really got to keep an eye on. Um, if you want to go back and hear any of those episodes... I believe it was game 139 that we did our uh, profile on Nolan Jones. So scroll back through whatever podcasting app you're listening on. Find the season uh, 2021 season game 139. It was against Milwaukee. And it says in parentheses there, plus a Nolan Jones prospect profile. And then if you want to hear our profile on uh, George Valera, it was on uh, game 141. So if you want to go back and hear some of those profiles on some of those prospects, get to know those guys a little bit because their names are going to become very important moving ahead. And I'm going to continue to do that. Hopefully we'll be able to get maybe one or two more profiles done in these weekend episodes. So, And obviously we'll have all of offseason to talk about them too. But I thought it'd be fun to start mixing them in here at the end of the season. So we'll see. I think I might not 
stick around the top of the prospect list. I might dig down into the prospect list and see who we come up with from those top 30. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Hey, for show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. I tweaked the t-shirt design just a little bit, blew up the logo just a little bit. I like it. Uh, Premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. I like the 50-50 blend t-shirt. There's also a tri-blend t-shirt, the baseball-style three-quarters t-shirt. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes on whatever app you're listening on, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter, at Davey Barris. Again, the final from Minnesota. It was the Indians 12, the Minnesota Twins 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. We've got an off day, so we're not going to do a new show until Saturday morning when we start the Yankee series. Will we see Corey Kluber pitch against the Indians? That'll be interesting. Let me know your thoughts on the games, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.